I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here. Joining me in just a second, Kevin Seifert from ESPN. Just a quick little update uh, on an injury. Jalen Naylor is out for a couple of days, and we were unclear what happened to Jalen Naylor. And uh, we learned from Kevin O'Connell today that he's just got a little banged up with a leg injury and should be back at some point next week. As far as scheduling goes, the Vikings are off on Sunday and then we'll practice all through next week. The night practice is next Friday and uh, the pads come on and then everything gets super serious as we go forward. So after every practice, if you want to watch, I'll be doing YouTube live streams and of course dropping in additional episodes like this with you know Kevin Seifert, Alec Lewis from The Athletic is going to come on next week as well. Will Raggetts is going to join for an episode of Hot Routes. So everything is uh, rolling along here on the Purple Insider podcast. And I did want to mention that I had a little issue with the website. And I know that I've always called out for fans-only questions to be sent at purpleinsider.com, but it's kind of gone a little bit sideways and the contact us hasn't been working. So if you sent me an email recently with a question from the website, I probably didn't get it. And I just wanted to apologize to everybody. I'm sorry. I just discovered this the other day because I was thinking I haven't gotten emails from the website in a few days. Uh, what's going on and did a couple tests. We're going to get it fixed. No problem. I'll let you know when that's back up and running. Um, but probably the best way is through Twitter at the moment to send me, you know, emails if you want to reach me or uh, just send a DM or jump on those live streams. I mean, if you've got questions, uh, we're usually doing it every night around eight, sometimes eight thirty on YouTube live. Just go to the YouTube Purple Insider page. Check that out. And uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of people have been joining in. It's been uh, a lot of Vikings fans with questions, good discussions about what's going on in camp. I kind of empty the notebook after every day. And then, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of these other discussions going on as well. So make sure you check all that out. If you missed the conversation with Matt Daniels, the Vikings special teams coach, also, please, please go back and check that out. Really enjoyed that discussion. And hopefully uh, we'll have a few more of those as camp goes on with different people. So, all right, on to Kevin Seifert. All right, we welcome into the show from ESPN, Kevin Seifert. What's going on, Kevin? You having fun? Uh, absolutely. It's training camp. Uh, the weather has gotten much better. Uh, we have less of a chance of melting out there, so I'm ready. You know what? I thought it was fine. Uh, we survived. Survive in advance. You had your bucket hat going on. Uh, I'm We've still going to have the bucket hat. I'm not, I'm not losing that. No, but I mean... 
It was okay. It was all right. I yeah. mean, it, it felt like walking into an oven a little bit, but up there we got enough of a breeze. We got a little bit of shade. There was football going on. I, th- I think we were all right. But you know who was in the nice, cool air conditioning inside yeah. Yeah. while we were out there at practice was Daniil Hunter, who is allegedly here. I have not seen him. No. You have not seen him. The Vikings claim to have seen him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I could sneak around the side and look in the parking lot if I could figure out what he drives. It's probably something very expensive. Yeah. Uh, what do we make of what Kevin O'Connell said today about Daniil Hunter? He actually said words. Yeah. Were they meaningful words? I don't know, but they were words. Well, they were enough to let us know that it's not as if Daniil Hunter reported on reporting day and then hasn't been back. So uh, O'Connell said this in the, his press conference today, and it sort of comports with what I've heard behind the scenes is that he is coming to the building every day. Um, walking through the uh, the doors, his security card still works, or his code has not been disconnected, um, and he's at least having a daily conversation with O'Connell. What he's doing beyond that, if anything, uh, is unknown, and I would say it's closer to if anything than a lot. Um, there's plenty of places to work out if he you know doesn't feel like he wants to do that here. Um, you know, he's had conversations with Brian Flores. My guess is he has at least a, a you know, some level of fluency in what they're going to be trying to do. Um, as Flores kind of joked the other day, you know, your job's to go get the quarterback. It's not too difficult in his system. And so, uh, but there's the contract situation is very real. Um, they've been talking a long time. Everybody knows the parameters um, they're not close enough for him even to feel like he can get back on the practice field. So to me, it's a very much an open question um, whether he's on the team this year or not. There has to be teams making phone calls to Kwesi and Aflamenta at this point, right? I mean, yeah. once a guy is not getting out on the practice field, and call it whatever you want, hold right. out, hold in, hold left, hold right, it doesn't matter. Like everyone in the National Football League knows that Daniil Hunter is on the trade block and that they would trade him for the right price. If that was not the case, they would have just paid him whatever he wanted by now. But the question is, what is the price that it's going to take? And how does Kwesi Adafo-Mensa avoid a Delvin Cook situation where you just waited and waited and waited and it never actually got resolved? It seemed like if there was any opportunity to actually trade Delvin Cook, that time sort of passed them by and then they just ended up having to cut him. Well, you can't do that with Daniil Hunter, but this does need resolution by what? Like the end of August? You would think uh, well in time for, for at least for the season to start. You know, pass rush is one position where you can jump into another team's system and have a relatively immediate impact, if not maximize your potential in their scheme right away. And so it's not like you're trading a quarterback who you have to spend a certain amount of time. So I think they've got that in mind. The Dalvin Cook thing, I think, was a little complicated by the shoulder injury. And they, at the time that you would want to trade him, they probably couldn't because he wouldn't be able to pass a physical. And right. all, same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo the year before. So that complicated thing happened. I, you know, Jeremy Fowler, our, our national insight, one of our national insiders at ESPN, reported that the Vikings want to extend him but not at the sort of market level uh, contract long term that you would you know that he would hope to get um, on the free agent market for example so um, not a repeat of the contract he got uh, you know the five years 70 million or whatever it was at the time and so that comports with all the other things that the Vikings have done really in the past two years with Kwesi Adolfo Mensa in charge of, of the front office and that's uh, you know, maximum flexibility, 
Don't lock yourself into something you might later regret uh, or you can't get out from under. It's the same reason Kirk Cousins is entering his final year. Um, you know, he's older than 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 Daniil Hunter, but at, at a more important position. So if you're willing to go into a year with Kirk Cousins uh, in, in the final year of his contract without a replacement on board, then he's, you know, clearly determined to not uh, pay Daniil Hunter something that will – hamstring them in future years uh from a, and not so much from a salary cap standpoint but just from a roster flexibility standpoint i don't think he ever wants to be in a position where this person is on our roster because we can't there's no alternative right right and that's how the vikings have in past years set up a lot of their contracts just with rob brzezinski where it's usually a five-year deal but it's a three-year deal yeah. and everybody knows that and just as a side note, I'm sure Justin Jefferson, if he wants a three-year deal, it's going to be a three-year deal. It's not going to be the BS three-year deal yeah, yeah. That, that gives the team more power than the player. But in Daniel Hunter's case, even though he was really good last year, you can look back over the last couple years at the injuries. And when you say he's 29, not everyone is the same 29. I mean, he's been in the NFL since he was 20. He's played a lot of years in the NFL and you do worry about the future injuries. Mm -hmm. And also, at some point, you're sort of approaching quarterback money with certain positions, with top wide receivers, top defensive ends. And I, I like what you said about just, it seems like this is how Kwesi Adafalmenta has played every situation, in part because he can. Like, in this competitive rebuild thing, which I do want to get into yeah. uh, with you, uh, he can play hardball and say, you're going to do this at our price, or we're not doing this at all because we're competitively rebuilding, and yeah. look, we let everybody else go out the door. We're refreshing this roster, and I'm making it mine. I think for this moment... That is okay, and it's okay to play it this way with Daniil Hunter. In the future, or with Justin Jefferson no. or TJ Hawkinson, yeah. I don't know about that approach. But with Daniil Hunter specifically, I think that's a fine way to go about it. I think it is from the long term, but I think if you're on Daniil Hunter's side, you say, what are you going to do without me? You know, What's this year going to look like? You're, the competitive rebuild is a two-edged you know, two sword. You're saying you're going to be competitive. Who's going to rush the passer uh, who's going to be? Who are NFL teams going to focus in on, or feel like they need to make any kind of offensive adjustments towards if he's not on the team? Is Marcus Davenport going to be that guy? Um, he has not been in his career. Maybe in this scheme he would be, but there's nobody else that an offense would look at this defense. Um, they might look at whatever Brian Flores' blitz scheme is going to be and have to prepare for that, but. Um, you know, there's no, and that includes interior rushers too. There's no substitute for a guy who can just beat beat every one on one and require a double team. Most teams want to have that. The Vikings have one of those on their roster, and uh, the contract talks are not going well. So I don't know if I would go so far as to say Daniel Hunter has him over a barrel because of the long term things you talked about, but for this season, he kind of does. Well, and that's the question: Is does Quasi look at it like? Offense matters much more to your success than defense. Last year, they, and I know a lot of yeah, it, it was uh, crazy stuff, but they still won a lot of football games with a good passing offense. And if they know they're going to have a good passing offense, you can work around what they have on defense being uh, maybe ineffective. And, you know, also you look at Brian Flores 2021. They didn't have a monster edge rusher. Now, they did have Christian Wilkins, and mm -hmm, that guy is mm -hmm, really good. Mm -hmm, so the mm -hmm. Vikings don't have that guy. 
but they had like Shaq Lawson getting four sacks. DJ Wanham's gotten some sacks before, but it really was him scheming up a bunch of five sacks for this linebacker, four sacks for this safety, and they still had a reasonably good defense. But, you know, Dean Lowry's not going to probably get more than three or four. Harrison Phillips isn't a pass rusher. So from the front four perspective, I totally agree. But I would be curious about Brian Flores' perspective. Like, you already got rid of Zadarius Smith. Yeah. So it's not like we were ever going to be great at this. I'm going to have to scheme it up anyway. Let's just see how it goes. Well, I, I think is there's no doubt the coaches have kind of made their points clear. And, and every coach, I can't imagine there's a coach who would think any different than, yes, I'd prefer to have Daniel Hunter versus not. And that because the coaches think about this year and that's their job. But, um, you know, it, more if, if the Vikings can count on Brian Flores to work magic, which is basically kind of what you're talking about, not just do a good job, but, you know, scheme a pass rush where one wouldn't otherwise exist then more power to them and more power to him and good luck next year when he's the head coach of a team next year um and we can get into that too if you want later but uh like that's a lot to put on the guy i mean he's good you know there's no doubt about that but like you gotta like there has to be there has to be pieces in place in order to in order to make any scheme work I think if I was trying to look at it from Quasi's perspective, and now this is an interesting point because, as you know, when you win 13 games, everybody's like best friends and going to college basketball games together. <laughs> you trade the best edge rusher and then rank 32nd in yeah. defense, and then it might be a little more tension yeah. within the building. And, and this really, I mean, this was a Zimmer-Spielman thing where once Kirk got here and took up that much cap space, Zimmer couldn't get the free agents mm -hmm. and stuff that he wanted and then looked over at Spielman like, fix this. A yeah. couple draft picks go sideways, and those guys couldn't stand each other. Uh, these things sort of uh, escalate quickly yeah. when the coaching staff wants a guy and the GM does it, and there's politics within the building. And you could see this situation ending up being like that a little bit. Like, how could you not keep Daniil Hunter for us? My right. gosh, right. from the coaching perspective. And that's why I wonder where Flores stands on this. If he thinks, well, I can scheme around it. From my perspective, I'm always looking at kind of the big, how do you go from point A to Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. And I think with Daniil Hunter putting that much money into one guy that I'm not certain will be this good for that much longer or that that's the best investment, I think... This is not a bad idea if you trade him for a second and a fourth. Yeah. Because at some point next year in the draft, you might, and this is where Quasey's thinking this way, mm -hmm, O'Connell mm -hmm. and Flores probably not, but next year in the draft, if you're drafting 17th and the quarterback is there at 10th, you got to make that trade up. You yeah. might not regret ever giving away Daniil Hunter if you can throw in an extra second that gets you there. Yeah, absolutely. And when you said there's probably lots of teams calling it, there's probably a lot of bargain seekers calling yeah, oh, yeah, right now. Yeah, like, yeah. Right now, blood's in the water. You, the, the camp has started. Guy's not on the field. He's barely in the building. Um, it's clear that they're far, you know, pretty far apart, and he's only in the building because the coach is trying to to massage the relationship if he does get him back, you know, and that's totally understandable. But, like, if they got the second and the fourth, great. But I wonder, you know, my guess is, like, that's not what's coming through right now. What if they told you that if you were in Hunter's shoes 
And they were like, well, look, Kevin, uh, we won't fine you, but you got to be in the building for eight hours a day like yeah. the other players. Yeah. I mean, are you like bringing some video games, <laughs> some reading material? I just I just envisioned Daniel Hunter like playing something on his phone yeah. during yeah. meetings or yeah. whatever. Like, what is that? How much could he be in well, here? What is he in, doing? Then you get into like, honestly, like not to make it serious again, but like you get into if you aren't sure he's going to be with you, are you letting him in your meetings? Right. Like, yeah, I like, know. And I, they're yeah. not going to trade him to the Packers, the Lions, and the Bears but like it might be a team you're playing this year it might be you know you like like that's that kind of you know m- you know macro or micro competitive stuff happens in the NFL all the time and so that's something like I don't know the answer to that right now but I know I'm sure there's people in the building who would prefer to not let anyone who's not you know fully committed to the season into anything where they could get information that might be valuable to another team. Well, and I didn't hear the words he's in meetings. No. And no. normally they might say that if yeah. something, right? So yeah. it's just, we've had dialogue. And they've, they've like, he's talked to Flores. What, you know, what, you know, Flores said he had to sit down with him and that he had had many talks with him prior to. And so it's not as if he's a stranger. And then I actually asked Flores that, have you actually met this guy? You know, like, because right. he just got here and like, there was no off season, but he said yes. And so there's, there he's probably got enough of the parameters of what he would have to do but um you know and if i'm daniel hunter like i don't know if i want to want to be in the meeting you know like I, you know he's he's doing whatever he and o- o'connell have agreed is the minimum and so i wouldn't be shocked if he's in very few if any meetings folks want to remind you that the biggest pro football contest in las vegas is back again for its fifth year with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at circa sports enter in las vegas play from anywhere with two ways to win and no rake play the million pro football contest with quarterly payouts and 100 percent payback Pick a winner with the Survivor Contest. Select one team each week with no point spread. Get your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircaSports.com for details. That is C-I-R-C-A, CircaSports.com for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What do you think of this? I don't want to say soft approach because that makes it sound like something I'm not trying to say. This uh, player friendly approach yeah. to the way that they talked about Jordan Addison. I was envisioning what Mike Zimmer would have said about yeah. Jordan Addison. Yeah. 
And then Addison's out there taking first team reps the first day. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot imagine that yeah. under Zara. A yeah. rookie does that, and, and he would have been on the third team for like two weeks. And he wasn't even he didn't even do any of the OTAs. So it's like you could easily I've you've seen coaches well. He didn't do any OTAs. He'll work his way up. And so like like even if there had been no speeding ticket, you know, so that that comes up too. Right. And the approach was, well, it's a mistake. And I didn't think they were like dismissive of it, mm-hmm. but it was, well, he's gonna have to learn about it and so forth. Where again, I mean, with Mike Zimmer. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said about J. Ron Curse yeah. and Mike Hughes when right. they got in trouble, but he was not happy about it. Yeah. And then with this Daniil thing, it's, yeah, sure, we'll let you in the building and we're not going to fine you. And again, I don't know how well that would have flown yeah. with the previous head coach. Now, that doesn't mean Zimmer's right and they're wrong. Right, no. And it's talked about as being more modern to be kind of putting your arms around the players. But I also think that there's probably a curve with that yeah. where it starts to go to where people take advantage of you. So I guess I wonder what you think about about like O'Connell's approach in general to discipline with his players. It's who they are and it's what they wanted is the the the, the you know most concise way I can put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they had the Spielman you know Zimmer years. There was an obvious sense you know during the search process to replace those guys of people who uh, had a different personality, and that's not you know dissimilar from a lot of the way NFL teams work in terms of the uh, hiring the opposite of the people that they are replacing. But they very much wanted you know emotional intelligence, empathy, uh, people who would be good colleagues in the building, um, you know, and that's the Quasi too. Like I think they applied those same um, parameters to the general manager too, and so. This is the type of approach I think the owners and the people who did the hiring uh, wanted. Um, and frankly, it's who O'Connell is especially. Like, would you want him trying to to scream and throw stuff in a in a in a his office at a as a player after he gets arrested? That's I mean the the player would la- like that's not who his personality. It's you can't fake it. I would rather him em- employ his instincts and see where that goes because that's who they hired than to, you know, say, well, this was very serious. I'm going to, you know, scream and yell at the guy. And so, but then you go beyond that, like, should there be discipline? And um, if there was, there's not been any on-field discipline, uh, maybe, and there's limited ways you uh, teams can find players and, and do other, you know, types of things internally, whereas, you know, most of that's governed by the, the CBA and the NFL would eventually step in there and do that. And so, um, but that's what they wanted, I think. And so, like, I'm okay with it in the sense that, like, it's not a secret. They're not trying to be Mr. Nice Guy and then, you know, acting behind the scenes. Like, I would, I have seen coaches, there have been coaches here who changed their personalities based on mm-hmm. what they thought was needed at the time. And people see through that. So, like, it will it work? Will he get taken advantage of? Maybe. But you could have said that was a consequence on day one. And, and you know, in the end, do the consequences outweigh the benefits or do the benefits outweigh the consequences? And so at least last year, I think it was absolutely the right approach. Um, and maybe, you know, Jordan Addison will turn out to be, you know, this great citizen who made a dumb mistake. And, um, and, and the fact that they didn't overdo it when he made his first mistake with them will be to their benefit. Yeah, that's a, a entirely a will see. And uh, my mom was a teacher for mm-hmm. her entire life. And so, of course, discipline is part of being a teacher. And it was always a case-to-case basis. Yeah. I mean, some people need different things than others. Some people need to be called out in public probably as players, and mm-hmm. others do need an arm around their, yeah. uh, you know, them and so forth. But I guess I just thought, wow, 
Um, no, you know, reps taken away or anything yeah. like right but back were you out surprised? there. Like, no. okay. No, I wasn't, but yeah. I just, I, I was curious because yeah. this stuff didn't come up last year. No. I mean, Oli Udo got arrested, but it turned out to be like nothing. Yeah. So hey, I was just, is he going to do something? Is there going to be a harsh comment? Is there going to be a hammer that gets dropped? But you're right. That really isn't who he is. Yeah. And as a former player, I, I think that he tries to put himself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. But I guess if there is another incident, then there has to be something because then it's like, okay, then the, the players can do whatever they want. That's fair. Um, but when it comes to uh, the overall direction, we mentioned the competitive rebuild mm-hmm. where Hunter fits in. I wrote a column basically saying if they trade Hunter, it's not a competitive rebuild. It's a rebuild, yeah. which I'm comfortable with. But uh, you tweeted out at the beginning of camp, like I'm not letting this quarterback thing go. Kirk does not have a contract. I thought the opening press conference was, are you okay with not having a contract? Uh-huh. Are you okay with not having a contract for Kirk? Uh huh. Yeah. And off we go. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of this? Because it's the number one thing people ask me about all the time. Um, actually, my dad, uh, I called him the other night, and he's like, "So, what are the Vikings going to do with their future at quarterback?" Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Of course. I and my answer is, I guess draft someone. But I don't know. What What do you think about this situation? I think it's a tightrope, man. They have it's it's possible that they'll get from here to there in a in a safe way, and that maybe it's just. Kirk has another, you know, Kirk type year and they're like, yeah, of course, you know, we'll, we'll resign him and it'll be a very, you know, uh, unacrimonious, non-acrimonious situation with Kirk has said he wants to stay here. They give him a competitive uh, offer for a couple years and he's going to finish out his, his career as the Viking starter. But if not, or if he something happens that makes him think, well, I'm going to go see if Kyle Shanahan wants a quarterback, or I'm going to see, like, there's going to be three or four teams that that probably need a veteran starter. Maybe I'll just finish out somewhere else. Then they're screwed. I mean, they have put themselves in a position where they, you know, if you if you if you start the process of replacing your long-term starter when you no longer have that long-term starter, then you're screwed. You you don't you're not like in the short term at least. Uh, and is it is it screwed? I yes. mean, screwed seems aggressive they, to me. Who are they going to? Who's going to be the starter if Kirk isn't the starter next year? I, then whoever they draft. And are it's they, a tough are year. They and be then able they go to, on are they going to be able to? I mean, they could finish. They could finish six and you know and eleven or seven and ten, and Kirk didn't play in a way that they want to bring him back, and they're not going to be drafting high enough to get anybody that you would want to start next year. At least that is true. And I call this the Matt Schaub scenario because after Matt Schaub was done in Houston or just started throwing pick yeah. sixes every other yeah. pass, yeah. they had Brian Hoyer and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because I looked yeah. at a bunch of historical situations that were like this. I um, remember that. Cincinnati, of course, had yeah. uh, the best situation where they go from Andy Dalton to completely tanking to getting Joe Burrow. Uh, but Buffalo uh, went from Tyrod Taylor yeah. and being a good team and then to Josh Allen it pretty seamlessly. Yeah. And they had to trade up to do it, just like Kansas City had to trade up to get Mahomes, just like the Bears traded up to get Fields. I don't I mean, I, I don't that like when you just say, Oh, they'll just trade up for someone, it's way easier than yeah. what if there isn't anyone? What if it's the Malik Willis year or whatever? Um, but I do think you make a good point that you can get sort of trapped in that, uh oh, we don't have the next guy, so we've got to get Brian Hoyer in here starting. But I also think and this was a, a take that made some people upset last year. What is really the difference between a good quarterback you can't win the Super Bowl with and a mediocre quarterback you can't win the Super Bowl with other than that you draft higher the next year? Like if you get trapped into we've got to play Jameis Winston for a year, yeah. 
then you draft okay, one the next right. year, right? So, like you just then, keep going until you can draft one. But then you're talking about like, and, and the Wilfs are relatively patient owners. Um, but then you're talking about year three of mm-hmm. the Quasi yep. Kevin regime going into a season with Jameis, or I always keep saying next year's Derek Carr, which might actually be Derek Carr, but like that kind of starter. So now you're in year three, and you're really no closer to figuring it out. Like how many years out can you push that transition? before like you aren't winning enough games and and it's not that I don't think the Wilfs have a quick trigger at all like I think they would let the process play but like you're just pushing out that transition that and that transition is almost always a step back for a franchise I mean the Packers had to wait you know three years for Aaron Rodgers and even in his first year they had a losing record and didn't make the playoffs um and so then you're talking about going into year four of the regime without having, you know, at best with starting a new, you know, another new quarterback would have been the third in three years. So I tend to think it through it in that lens. Like if they have, if they had 10 year contracts, then right, what you're right. talking about. Yeah, yeah, sure. But nobody does. Um, nobody gets that much time. And so you have to at least consider that too. And I don't think that they are any more, prone to being survivors i guess than anybody else would be right and so i don't know that they're gonna like panic and make short-term moves as a result of trying to save their jobs but if you listen to quasi like he keeps talking about the three-year horizon like three years that's next like this is year two uh the next year would be three you're talking about uh, Jameis winston in year three when when the plan that he apparently has sold and that he's talking publicly about is supposed to be reaching the climax With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Folks, I may have discovered the greatest thing to ever happen in barbecue history. I found the perfect solution for barbecue lovers looking to up their grilling and smoking game. The team of certified pitmasters at the Grill Masters Club has cracked the code on delivering award-winning small batch barbecue products on whatever schedule works for you. You can choose monthly, bi-monthly, or quarterly. You could pause, update, or cancel your subscription at any time. You get charged once a month, and days later, an amazing barbecue experience gets delivered right to your door. I got my first barbecue box, and it is incredible. It's so simple that they are geniuses at the Grill Masters Club. If you get a Grill Masters Club themed box, you'll receive five curated barbecue products such as sautés, marinades, spice rubs, grilling tools, whatever you need. Plus, each month, their team of experts creates custom recipes and tips that provide endless ways to use amazing products featured inside each box. Trust me, this subscription is good for barbecuers of all levels. 
I am a beginner. I'm trying to get better. And the Grill Masters Club is helping me out to explore new ways to grill. Go to thegrillmastersclub.com to take your grilling and smoking experience to the next level. And also get 50% off with the promo code PURPLE. 50% off at grillmastersclub.com by using the promo code PURPLE. And uh, so then this is where like the Kyler Murray idea comes up and, you know, things like that, because there always are quarterbacks that at this point we don't expect will be available. And then they end up being available. Of course. And, you know, nobody expected Brett Favre to be a Viking or Tom Brady to be a Buck or Russell Wilson to be a Bronco or what. Like, well, if if the plan is to wait for something unexpected to happen, then that's not good. But it always does, though. Right. It's like unexpected, but also expected. I guess what I'm saying is that even if you look at Tennessee, where they had Marcus Mariota and he won a playoff game. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, can, we can win nine games. Didn't Mariota win like nine games three years in a row or something? Yeah. Like we can win nine games with this guy, but we want to move on to somebody else. And they end up getting Ryan Tannehill, which at the time seemed like nothing, yeah. but they had great players. So they were able to stay competitive and eventually. And now, of course, I, they're, that franchise is going to stay stuck in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But they were right. They won the entire AFC. Like, if I put in not Jameis Winston's a bad example because he stinks, but, but like, uh, I understand what you're saying though. If I if you put in someone decent with Justin Jefferson and this coach and a line that's growing and everything else, can you not have the similar results if that guy isn't paid much well, for a transition into the next draft pick? Potentially, I, I I guess I would go back to to thinking about it this way: it, for the three year to to be in position to compete for a Super Bowl in year three or at the end of year three. Uh, their own like basically it's 90% that it needs to be Kirk and it, right, need, it yeah. needs to be a situation where Kirk plays well enough this year that they everyone agrees we're signing him he doesn't try to to you know shake it up or go somewhere else um, and he agrees and that you know they go into a window of Justin Jefferson at his prime Kirk Cousins still playing very well Brian Flores um you know, running a really good defense uh, and Kevin O'Connell being at the cutting edge of offense. That's to me is the, is sort of the, the, the biography of their best chance to be competing for a Super Bowl um, in the time frame that they've been talking about. So that's really interesting that you bring up the three years though, because I hadn't really taken that seriously. Uh, but think about like, or like, the, or at the end of the third year, heading into the fourth year. But now when we go back, he said, when I got here, a three year time horizon, do you think based on, of course, what came up in the USA today article, that the original timeline was to win eight games in the first year, move on from Kirk draft somebody in a quarterback draft that was that had a lot yeah, of them yeah. last year and then have it be the third year where that quarterback's going into his second year because I think you could interpret it that way yeah. that it was originally a three-year timeline when he said competitive rebuild but it might have to be a four-year where you're talking about drafting someone and then developing them spending on the roster and it really ends up being more like 2025 that is your Super Bowl window started maybe I mean I feel like I've heard him I just have to go through the transcript I feel like I've heard three or yes, maybe he's, he's at, maybe he's times. added four years to it and yep. But like that is part of the game. Like I know, look at Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch going to San Francisco. They everybody knew what their plan was. You know, yep. hang on for that first year, sign Kirk as a free agent, and then all of a sudden Jimmy Garoppolo becomes available, and all of a sudden he wins his last five starts, and so that changed what their plan was, um, and it may not have changed it to their benefit. You know, and so sometimes circumstances 
create obstacles. But um, you know, if they if they can if they can you know go into next year with a drafted quarterback and then be competing for a Super Bowl by 2025, that's an impressive feat. I'll put it that way. Uh, tell me what else you're interested in out here. What do you got? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I, I mean, I, this is for me the the most. Like, oh, look over there. There's a position battle. Yeah. Oh, another one. And and even I was asking O'Connell about the backup running backs, and I didn't feel like the endorsement was as strong as I expected no. for Kenny Wongwu and Ty Chandler. So I would still leave the door open for a veteran maybe after what he said. But uh, I'm interested in the running backs or behind the seventh Madison. rounder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. what What is it for you? I'm, I'm, I, I'm interested in watching how the transition from, from Dalvin to, to, to Madison goes because that um, – you don't see too often where this kind of clean, you know, backup, you know, yeah. promotion. It happens maybe in corporate America a lot, where the assistant manager gets promoted to the Peter manager, Principal. yeah, and or not even. And I don't know if it's even like that he's not qualified, but you see, you know, you, usually you have if you're a backup for a few years, you have to go somewhere else to start, right? And I think he probably thought that. If you think back to the that end of the playoff game, and he's kind of st- Alexander Madison's like standing on the field and looking around and taking it all in and praying, and like he was doing all the things that players do when mm-hmm. it's their final game in a place they spend a lot of time in. So yeah. he he's probably as surprised as anybody that it played out this way um but and he's been a guy who's you know, he's just like in the from when i was growing up and you were growing up like the classic off tackle runner that and that doesn't really they don't really use him that way anymore but is getting you know pretty likely going to get four or five yards but you're going to have your third down back come in if you want an explosive play and so um, they've talked more about efficiency than explosion mm-hmm. from their running game and so that's one thing I'm really interested in. Number two is I'm on the Josh Oliver, you know, bus right now. Like that guy is a bus. Um, you know, how big is that guy? I mean, he's like, it's he's, insane. he's over 200. He's got like, I think Wes Phillips said he's over 270 pounds and he's probably got like 1% body fat. Like he's just a stud. And so, and he really looks like a pretty good receiver, you know, in the, you know, we, we were watching with no pads and it's basically, you know, seven on seven when, even when they're in 11 on 11, but I don't know that he's going to fare any worse once contact starts. He's going to, like the guy that big is going to probably like, it's more to his advantage. And so I, I'm really interested to see how they use two, you know, weapons at tight end the way they seem to have. Yeah, you know, with Josh Oliver, I I feel like there's been so many tight ends over the years where it's their second team that loves them and their first team, you know, they develop them or whatever. Sort of like the Ty Conklin thing where <laughs> Tyler Conklin was the fifth round draft pick. Yeah. We didn't talk yeah. about him much. He gets sudden, thrown in the fire and it was yeah. good. And yeah. then now the Jets have him. Yeah. He's playing right. with Aaron Rodgers. Like, what? Right. That happens all the time. Yeah. So I, I like that. And it might be, I thought when they signed him, is this a little bit of a hedge on, you know, Hawkinson just in case? But I think it's just tight end greed. Like, I think Kevin O'Connell loves tight ends. <laughs> yeah. He's got Quasi on board on the tight end train. And, like, you can't argue with it when you look around the league and how the best tight ends or the best used tight ends can impact games. Okay, last thing. We were discussing this in the media room, whether we could catch a ball off the jugs machine. <laughs> um, I think – what what so I asked Alexander Madison this. Does he think that an average kind of person, average athlete guy can catch a ball off the jugs machine? He said that if it was on a slow setting, yeah, yeah. we could probably nab it. Yeah. And I think that's true. But at the highest speed, like KJ Osborne catching it or Justin yeah. Jefferson, absolutely no way. So my question is, what is it out there when we watch them that you feel like you could do and not hurt yourself significantly or completely embarrass yourself um hold the uh hold the the uh 
gold, the uh, what do you call it, the chains? I could I could be the, the chain. chain guy. Yeah, the Does chain that guy. count? Does that count? I one thing I've learned, and like maybe just uh, I've just been on the sidelines of things for so long, and and multiple sports is just like it gives us such a unique perspective on how different how much the universes are different between the regular person and the pro athlete not the college athlete not the high school athletes they're great too but just the level that they get to and to watch the speed of of the jugs machines to listen to the sounds that are created when people hit each other to see the body fluids that fly when that happens and it's a it's a minute by minute thing that it keeps happening so i i you know, have no, uh, I, I was not a great athlete to begin with. That's why I'm in this spot. So I would, I don't think there's anything inside the white line that I would ever claim that I could do on a pro level. I could catch a fade pass with no one guarding me. Yeah. Like just a little toss, you okay. know, probably. I would probably jump and, and come down and break my ankle. <laughs> you yeah. Had, yeah. You were yeah. on a cart last year. Yeah. With the ankle. Right. Uh, there, there is very little. It's just, I really think every person who thinks that they could do anything on any pro field, any, yeah. any, like yeah. the, there was the, well, I could uh, win a point from Serena. Oh my no, God. You no, couldn't. you couldn't. No. Like not, not, not just not Serena, yeah. like the local best college player at the U yeah. like you couldn't win a point off yeah. of her. No. Um, so like, but there's levels to this and we were what? 25 feet away from Justin Jefferson when he made that catch the other day. Yeah. And you just go, I can't believe it. No, like, I just, that, just, that is astonishing. And like, and to see him, like he makes like all those guys are another universe. Yeah. And for him to make those other people seem like they're not in his universe is like, you need the, the Hubble telescope to find him wherever he is. And so it, it just like that there are moments like that and where they weren't in pads and, but just like when you can, when you can, do something that none of the other elite people around you can do. It's just stunning. Justin can pick up a football and throw it 55, 60 yards. In. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I might be able to throw that ball like 25 yards. It's yeah. big. Yeah. And my hands aren't that big. Right. So anyway, well, we'll stay on the sideline. Absolutely. We'll do that. But uh, glad that we could get together. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll see you out there in the in the sweaty heat. All right. I'll enjoy it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kevin.